Ready? Ready. Welcome to episode 50, Boxy.TV. So, Adam and I are here today, and uh, we just wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, Boxy and uh, what it is. In, in case you're not familiar with it, it's uh, based off Xbox Media Center. Um, it's created solely to be kind of a, a front-end UI to a Media Center PC or uh, any other kind of hardware that might be hooked up to a TV. And it integrates a bunch of different websites such as Hulu or CNN or uh, any other kind of video website that, that posts content online. And you can easily um, control and watch all that stuff from Boxy. It also supports any other kind of media that you might be interested in, like uh, if you want to play a regular DVD in your, your uh, Media Center PC, then you can do that as well. Uh, it works on Windows, Mac, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming it works on Linux, since that's initially where Xbox Media Center I think right now it's only, I think it's only Mac OS X and Linux, not supported by Windows yet. Oh, it's still in the works. But it's it's alpha right now, and uh, they're, they're really pushing hard to, to make it great. Um, Adam and I were really curious to try it. Um, I've been an avid Media Center person for quite a while, and uh, uh, since Boxy came out, I've noticed like three or four other people besides Adam that are now using uh, Boxy along with a, a Mac Mini hooked up to a TV, and uh, everyone seems to be loving it, so... Uh, just to confirm, on the Boxy download page, there's uh, it supports Mac OS X and Ubuntu Linux. So there's downloads for both Tiger and Leopard, and uh, Ubuntu Linux uh, 8.04 and 8.10. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I've uh, been using Boxy for a little while now. I think if I really had to give a, a good opinion, I think, it's, I think it's a really strong thing. I think Boxy's awesome, but... I'm still not 100% sold on, on it. I've been having some buggy stuff happen. Like, I was watching Netflix, and some Netflix content doesn't come up. But, like, watching CNN and watching other podcast stuff has been pretty smooth. But maybe it's just a Netflix issue. Yeah. Well, you know, it is alpha. That's true. Both and I, you know, expected. I, <laughs> I want to see more friends on there. Like, you know, I, I can't wait till you, you get your Mac Mini set back up again because... You know, I'm watching CNN late at night whenever I'm doing, like, late-night work and whatnot. So just catching up on news, and uh, mostly it's, like, political news, and I'm wanting to, like, <laughs> recommend stuff to you or vice versa. Yeah, you know, but, I don't I, – I tried to fire it up on my, my uh, machine locally on my laptop, and uh, all the recommends were from Avner, even though I'm friends with you. Was that, really? Yeah, that was kind of weird. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I gotta, Could I be gotta, one of those alpha release bugs. Who knows? But yeah, I, I re- recommended a few things to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I can keep tabs and see what movies you're watching when you're not working. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. I do it actually just uh, just so you know when I'm not working. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's actually about 24 hours a day, so it's you know. Yeah. Yeah. I. I can My list is long. Stream. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this episode was brought to you by Linode.com. Linode is a, um, oh, I I got corrected in in IRC the other day. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, I I called it, I said I had, we have like six slices now. And someone's like, no, 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 you call it six nodes. 
So oh. they uh, they provide um, hosting if anyone's interested. They uh, they provide bare metal um, virtual nodes or slices, as I like to call them, and. Um, it's very. Uh, I find it very easy to use. Um, it's good if you're a system administrator and you know what you're doing, or, you know, I, I would imagine even if you want to install like a control panel, if you can just uh, follow in instructions and maybe do a compiler too. I would imagine, you know, once you get a control panel installed on there, it would even be good for that kind of hosting. Um, like I said, I think we're we're at either five or six slices now. Um, we have a client slice and a slice for our own apps or. Um, Let's see what else. Tweetbots has a slice for itself. MySQL has a slice. Jotly has a slice. There's quite a few out there. So, and uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, to get them all set up. And they have a, a nice option where you can turn on the uh, backend network, and uh, I can have them all communicate via private IP addresses uh, rather than through the normal IP address. And we save bandwidth that way. Absolutely, it's a lot faster too. Right on. Awesomeness. So I think one important point to make there, too, is that I think we've gotten some comments where people have said we're talking too much about our advertisers, but that's dog food we eat. So when we talk about Linode, we're sure they, they advertise with the, the Web 2.0 show and sponsor the show, but in the end, our company, Handcrafted, really relies on Linode, so that's why we really pump them out. Yeah. Well, honestly, any of our sponsors are kind of that way. If we, if we talk about a sponsor... Uh, before we even approach a sponsor, we'd like it to be someone, some kind of product that we use. Right. Yeah. Kind of like Peep Code, our other sponsor. Yeah, hey, Peep Code. Yeah. They uh, produce quality content if you're interested. Uh, I think they just came out with the Objective-C um, Peep Code. So if you're, uh, if you're looking to learn, um, let's see, they've got a Hamel and Sass that came out. I bet you'd like yeah. that. Yeah, well, I should check that out. Um, you know, I'm looking here. I don't see the Objective-C. I could have sworn I saw it. Maybe it was the Hamel and Sass I saw. I see Fusion Passenger, which is something we've talked about to people a few times over the past few months. Yeah, well, that that's part of their PDF book series, which they have quite a few of those, too. Uh, we just snagged the Thinking Sphinx PDF the other day. Uh, we, we use Sphinx for all our searching needs for <laughs> Rails apps and... Uh, it, it gets pretty in-depth and uh, talks about most of the features. They even walk you through, like, how to build a sample search um, for, like, an address book integrated with Google Maps. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, everything that, that Jeffrey puts together, um, if it's not exactly his area of expertise, he'll bring in a technical editor or someone that's uh, really, really good with this stuff, and um, he'll have them work on the episode with him. And um, it's uh, they're just they're they're high quality episodes that you can purchase for nine bucks a pop, or they have unlimited packages that you can pay for for one year, and you'll get access to everything. So if you're interested, check them out at peepcode.com. Peepcode.com, top notch content. So uh, one other quick note before we get on to the episode here. Uh, Avner was actually in Israel. We had no idea, and um, it it actually turned out to be quite a good good episode. Um, I thought we would yeah, have more, more snags with the with the bandwidth or latency or you know voice dropouts. But uh, honestly, it, it wasn't too bad at all. So um, there were there was a spot or two. Um, 
but we were pretty happy with it. So we talked over each other a couple times, you and I did, and I'm not sure if that's just because we do that or if it was Skype or what. But there's a couple instances there that that happened. But uh, yeah. for well, the most part, really good. I was actually really surprised by uh, by Skype's quality on that call. Yeah. Well, I you know we're also taking a different approach to our editing. Um, we want to get more episodes out, and uh, one of the ideas we had was to spend less time cutting the episode. Yeah. Be um, more I, raw. I also got a new mic, so when you listen to this one, hopefully you'll hear me better. Um, yeah. What's and, that uh, mic called, Josh? What is that mic you're using? Let's go ahead and pimp them out, too. Snowball, man. That's what I'm using as well. Yeah. Blue Snowball. Yep. I, you know, I pimped them. I listed them as a suggestion on the article I wrote for Think Vitamin. I just never went and bought one myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> now we have one. Now we have two. <laughs> we also brought an editor on board, someone that handles editing the podcast and uh, writing our show notes for him, Ryan. He's uh, he's going to be handling that duty from now on. So hopefully oh. uh, we can focus on content and uh, getting more podcasts out the door. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I really am. I think uh, – you know, having additional help with the editing is a big thing. Editing isn't that big of a deal, but the problem I think with you or I doing is that we get we get too we get too much of a perfectionist attitude towards it, and next thing you know, it's you know four or five hours, and we're halfway through one podcast, and that's that's totally not good. Yep. All right. So let's get awesome. on to the show before we blabber forever. On to the show later. We're talking to Avner Ronan and Andrew Kippen from Boxy. Um, morning, guys. Morning. Tell us, tell us a little bit about uh, what Boxy is for all the people who might not know. Sure. So Boxy is a social media center. It allows you to get all your entertainment in one place. So your movies, TV shows, music, pictures that you have in your home network, as well as get access to your content that is online, whether it's streaming shows from Hulu or movies from Netflix or pictures from Picasa and Flickr or music from Last.fm, and you do it all with your remote control, and you can run it on Windows, Mac, and Linux, connect to your TV screen, and have a very different experience than what you used to from uh, your cable and satellite. Now, uh, Boxy is actually based off of a fork of um, Xbox Media Center? Right. Yes, we were all users of Xbox Media Center, of XBMC, actually, now it's called. And um, we've been users of it for uh, a good few years. And back in early 2007, we decided to start working with them on creating a commercialized version of XBMC. And we met with them, and we started sharing code with each other. And in June 2008, we launched um, our first closed alpha of uh, Boxy, which took XBMC and added to it a bunch of new capabilities and also tried to make it appealing to a new type of audience. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because I don't. This has kind of been a, a hobby of mine for many years, um, hooking a computer up to a TV and uh, trying to get online content onto the TV easily. Um, I remember starting with a. I had an actual PC that I built and it had a special case, and um, I think I had to hook it up via a regular VGA. I had a, a TV, a big screen TV that had a VGA input. And uh, it's kind of morphed along along the years, and now I have a, a Mac Mini that uh, has DVI out, and I have an HDMI converter that hooks up to my TV, and 
that's how I watch things now. So seeing something like Boxy come out is awesome because um, front row was decent, but you know it just didn't quite cut it. So Boxy's Boxy's pretty awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we're um, we're finding many users that are spending more and more time watching digital media on their big screens rather than the traditional broadcast. And I don't think traditional broadcast is going away anytime soon. It's just that people have those big screens that they invested in and they want to do more on those screens. Well, you know, it comes down to, to things like Revision 3 and some of these content uh, producers that were on, you know, normal mainstream TV before, such like G4 type TV. It's, like last night I was actually sitting back in amazement watching Techzilla and was just like, you know, it's really awesome to sit here at my TV at home, you know, on the couch and just watch Revision 3 versus have to go over to the computer and watch it. It's really nice to get, you know, Patrick Norton and all those guys back onto real TV. Right, and they publish the content in uh, in great quality, so you can really enjoy it. But yeah, also, I mean, also for the things that were broadcasted, you know, with DVR, you can say in advance that you want to record this season of Heroes or Furry Rock, but what if your friend just told you about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and you want to check it out? So now you can go into Hulu with your remote control and... Uh, you know, browse the, those shows that your friends are telling you about and watch them and see if you like them or not. So it's right. taking that on-demand experience to the next level because, you know, DVR, you still need to decide in advance that you want to record something. Right. Yeah, that, I was sitting there that's last always night, difficult. Uh, oh, go ahead, Adam. That's okay. I was just going to say, I was sitting there last night. Uh, Josh and I run a company called Handcraft, and I think I mentioned that in our, our sort of intro email to you. Yep. And uh, we have a product called TweetBots, and I was sitting there working on it last night at like 11.30, just, you know, just muttering, hunting around and uh, just choosing whatever I wanted to watch on Boxy. It was really nice just to have that DVR type of experience, but sit there and watch whatever I want. Yeah, and, you know, we see a growing number of users doing that and watching lots of TV shows and, um, and movies this way. Just, you know, people at the end, they don't care about where that content is coming from. They just want to see... Their favorite TV show or watch that movie that they always wanted to see. And whether it comes from cable or satellite or IPTV or the Internet, they couldn't care less. Right. Yeah. yeah I'd, even, uh, I'd even recommended a video to Josh through Boxy. So and I know it's something he would enjoy. It was, uh, it was a pull-out image of the, the White House grounds before and after the inauguration. It's kind of doing a comparison of how many people were there. It was just insane. So I had to recommend it. <laughs> and it obviously tweeted for me, which is really nice. So... Uh, next thing you know, all of my Twitter followers know, and then I got the recommendation of Josh as well. So cool. that's really, really awesome. So you guys were recently at CES, uh, CES in Vegas. Yeah, Vegas uh, is always good. <laughs> how did that work out for you guys? Well, I, I was up, I think, $200, but I'm not sure that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, so um, CES has been, has been great, actually, better than we expected. I mean, going into the show, there was all this talk about, you know, how CES is going to be this year with the economy and so on. Right. And I cannot really comment on that because we were at our booth very busy talking with potential partners, talking with press, talking with users, didn't get to work the, walk the show at all, so I, I don't have a point of reference. But for us, it was amazing. It was an opportunity for us to meet face-to-face -face with uh, a good number of users, which is great, you know, have real conversations with users and getting their feedback and talking with some potential partners like device makers that expressed interest in 
in getting boxing on various devices and talking with uh, a bunch of press. So it's been a great show. We had great fun. You had a blog post this morning, uh, was it today, I think, uh, about possibilities in the future of your actual own hardware? Not necessarily our own, more, ba- you know, basically after the show and having so much interest from hardware makers um, of either putting Boxy on an existing device or making a new device that has Boxy on it, we wanted to gauge the interest of our users in such a device, whether they need one, what they want to see on it, how much they're willing to pay for it. Um, so that's the reason we, we put it together and, you know, we got good response. Yeah, I responded. I, I, I put, put my notes in there. Cool. Yeah. So, so Adam, what do you want to see in a box? Uh, I actually like my uh, my Mac Mini. I spent a lot of time doing some research. I actually went and bought an Apple TV, brought it home, and was disappointed with the seven the 720p content. I just figured if I was going to spend any money at all on a device, I wanted to have full 1080p. I didn't want to limit myself to ten, even 720p. So Josh, uh, <clears throat> he'd recommended getting a Mac Mini, so I went that route. Was dying to get my Alpha Boxy. Uh, that was before you guys had opened up your Alpha. I was just dying to get in to, to try it out, so I was really glad I took my Apple TV back, uh, set up my Mac Mini, got it up on my on my big screen, all that good stuff, and I just sort of like my Mac Mini. Yeah, I, at least yeah. for right now, I could I could see it wanting to be easier to get boxy in the hands of other people, so a device from you guys makes sense. But to me, it doesn't. Yeah, I I run Mac Mini at home as well. Uh, I love it. It's a great platform for boxy. That the only issue is that. For many consumers, it's just, you know, it's too expensive. Right. Well, I spent, you're not uh, a small fortune, I guess. I, was, I got the a new Mac Mini for 610 on eBay. Uh, got some RAM. I, I didn't even upgrade it yet. But, you know, just the normal stuff, normal hard drive. Yep. I, uh, I have my Mac Mini at home connected to a Drobo, and that's how I, you know, connect it to my home media. Nice. We're jealous. We, we were actually looking at the Drobos. Um a couple months ago, and uh, thinking about picking up a pair of those for each of us. So, you yeah, uh, you like it? I, I yeah, I love it. We, I think I got them a few a few of those uh, boxes uh, to my friends. So I should get some com- sort of commission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you uh, you guys have the ability to install on an Apple TV, but uh, I think currently you have to hack it in order to get it on there. So it, are you guys working with Apple, trying to get anything in there to, to officially get it put onto the Apple TV? Uh, not yet. We hope to be working with Apple down the road, but we didn't have any business discussions with them with them yet. And you know, we hope that we can show them that enough users like it and want to extend their Apple TVs and that they'll be open to helping us in making Boxy run better on Apple TV and also making it easier to install. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting. I mean, they have the the App Store and, uh, you know, they, they're selling all these applications for their iPhone and they're, they're making money off that now. And yet they don't offer anything like that for their Apple TV. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah I, I hope they will open it up. And, you know, allow us as well as others to run on their platform because the challenge with the living room is that there's not many boxes right now that are open that sit in your living room. And Mac Mini is open, but, you know, if you have a game console or you have an Apple TV or you have a set of box or you have a Blu-ray player, 
as a developer or as a user, you cannot get access to it easily, which is a shame because I think once that happens, you can see much more innovation coming into the living room. Right. So right now, I, th- I listened to one of the uh, a few of the interviews in sort of preparation for this one, and uh, you did a, a video interview with Boing Boing while you guys were at CES. And yep. one of the highlights I think I liked best about that was, well, for right now, 2009, we don't have a plan for making money. Can you tell us about your your money making strategy with boxing? Sure. So uh, as you as you mentioned, in 2009, our focus is not revenues. Our focus is getting the product from alpha and into beta and getting into the hands of additional users. Our stated goal is to get to about a million users by the end of the year. And I think once we get to that uh, stage, both in terms of the readiness of the product and the amount of people that are using it, we can start focusing on generating revenues. And we think those revenues can come from a couple of uh, key sources. One is from the fact that there is a significant user base that's using it, and then you can see revenues such as referral fees that we get from content owners um, or potential advertising that can come in. And on the other side, if those device makers that we start talking with um, will get behind the idea of embedding Boxy into devices, there's potential for licensing fees from those device makers. But the idea is to keep it always for the user for free. Yeah, I think that's key for any kind of high adoption rate is is making sure that it's free for the users. Uh, right. We, we'd like <clears throat> we'd like to get it into the hands of as many users as possible. And there's today there's many challenges for the user to get boxing into the living room. It starts with that you need to have a device, um, and then you need to have internet uh, next to your TV, whether it's Wi-Fi or a cable. And we just want to take away any other friction and we think you know the best things in life are free uh boxes should be free and there's enough opportunities for us to monetize it assuming we can scale the user base to a significant number well how do you um like right now there's a web app behind boxy too right so you can actually log into app.boxy.com or sorry.tv and uh, do some sort of account management there what's the plans for the website of boxy so first, we need to make it much better um, in, in terms of the way it works and add additional capabilities for you to manage your account. You know, most of our users that are using Boxy on the TV, they're using it with a remote control, which is not a great input device. So all the configuration and setup, as much of, of that that we can do on the web, uh, I think will be better. Mm. And uh, we also have the ability to log into your... Um, Boxy application from a web web browser. That's another thing that uh, we'll need to improve upon. Uh, but the Boxy dot uh, Boxy dot TV. The idea is to make it a, an interface from which you can manage your account, make changes. Maybe down the road you'll be able to uh, do stuff around your media. But at this stage, it's really focused on just making it easier for you to set up Boxy. Gotcha. What uh, what's the plan for say I don't know an iPhone app that's uh, a remote control for Boxy? Oh, that's actually in the works. It's more than in awesome. the works. I think it's, it's probably very close to being launched, and we're now in the process of uh, getting certified by Apple. I hope it's not going to take too long, and then we can get it into the hands of users. That's that's going to be free as well, obviously, and that would serve as a remote control. So it allows you to 
control boxy from your iPhone or iPod Touch, and um, you know, if you don't have an Apple remote or you lost it or you know you're not happy with it, you'll be able to use that iPhone or iPod Touch to control your TV screen, which is pretty cool. Have, uh, yeah, have you guys I, ever? Sorry, that's okay. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I was just going to ask: Have you guys uh, ever used Sling TV? I used it, yeah. I don't I don't have one now at home, but I used it, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys envision anything, like, uh, where you'd be able to install, like, an, an ITV interface and, you know, then you'd be able to stream content from maybe your, your boxy at home to maybe somewhere else or your boxy on your laptop or anything like that? Yeah. I, you know, that's something that we discussed in the past and we saw, we, we have getsatisfaction.com slash boxy where people can express ideas and um, that, that is there too. We're not there yet, but uh, I think it makes sense down the road to enable you to access your uh, your boxy remotely. But really far from there, we still need to focus on the main boxy interface, which is the ten foot that big screen and how you use boxy in order to get access to all your content and make it easy and bring more content into boxy. And then we should start thinking about how you get that content into other devices. One of the things I was going to say is that, um, you know, because we're launching on software first and, uh, you know, we're, we're doing user surveys, we've got that Get Satisfaction page, we're really able to um, react to what our users are asking for in a way that's much more um, rapid than we would be if we were on a set-top box. So, for instance, we did a user survey and found out that Netflix was the number one request and we built it in three weeks. Um, as soon as you get onto a box, it becomes much more difficult. And from a consumer perspective, you don't necessarily want the interface changing on a regular basis for something that uh, you know a normal consumer has in their living room. So one of the real advantages of us being on so many different computer platforms to begin with is that we can adapt to what you know what consumers want. And then once we've perfected the platform, which is our goal in 2009, um, then we can start talking to uh, device manufacturers and, and hopefully getting uh, getting into a box. Fine. Yeah. That was actually going to be one of my questions. Was was what's how does that work? Do you guys do work with like Netflix or Hulu or Comedy Central on designing that interface for them? Sorry, I didn't hear the question. The the interface like the the Netflix interface inside yes. of Foxy. Did you guys design that, or is that something you worked with Netflix on? We we designed it on our own, but we. We have the Netflix feedback on it. They have uh, design guidelines, and um, we worked with them on that. The iPlayer was designed that uh, they have done um, for 10-foot. Juiced is something that we've done together with uh, with Juiced. We try to work as much as we can with the content owners so the user experience remains consistent with uh, the brand experience that they're trying to project. Gotcha. So do you guys have uh, – is there any kind of, like, tracking that's that's built into Boxy? Like, do you guys see, like, um, how many people were using Boxy yesterday to do something like watch the inauguration? Yeah, <clears throat> that specific one, I need to see whether we're, uh, we were tracking that one. I, I still don't know, actually. But, you know, that's a place that we should probably improve. We we were so busy just building the product, we didn't focus too much on starting to understand the data that is generated by the product. 
Um, we're going to get there too. But obviously, this is an internet, <coughs> sorry, internet application, which means like any other internet service, you have a lot of data that is, uh, that is generated centrally. Yeah. And, well, right. yeah, I think it's, it's definitely um, an, an interesting statistics, though. I mean, because if you look at something like uh, Nielsen, I mean, their entire job is to try to gauge how many people are actually watching a TV show. And if all of a sudden everyone's using Boxy and Hulu, then it certainly gets a little easier to say, yeah, you know, everyone was watching NBC. Here's how many people were. That kind of stuff. I was. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, you I, have thought was, the, I thought it was really you awesome. Have the, but you know, there's, there's uh, you know, always the saying in advertising or marketing people that they say that, uh, you know, they know, they know fifty percent of their uh, advertising works. They just don't know which fifty percent. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, obviously online, you have much better measurement and tracking. And I, I think we're a long ways away from online being the biggest driver of uh, video content in the world, but uh, obviously it's going to get there some some point that it's all going to be IP-based and you'll be able to have much better tracking. I think that's going to help at the end to TV advertising because today you go to advertise with Google or Yahoo or Microsoft or anywhere online and you have just much better control over how your campaigns are doing. And I think once it gets into your big screen, that would make it very attractive for advertisers. Do you have any technical questions, Josh? Um, yeah. Like language, platform, stuff like that? Well, I mean, obviously, the Xbox, Xbox Media Center, Center part is probably built using C or C++, right? True. Yep. And we use Python as well. Yeah. What uh, what about for the the website that you guys are, are working on? What do you guys use for language on that? Yeah, PHP and AJAX mostly. And you you have a development team that's in Israel. Yes. That's uh, I don't I don't think we've actually ever interviewed anyone that that's had a development team in Israel. We've talked to people that have had them in India. Um, why why Israel? Just out of curiosity. Well, I, I'm originally from Israel and have, I, I live now in New York, but have uh, very good friends still in, in Israel, and there's great development talent over here and great food, and the weather is nice, <laughs> um, and, and that's why. Well, this isn't your first go-around either. You actually founded another company, what, how do you pronounce it, Odigio? Odigo, yeah. Odigo, okay, so, and that was out of Israel as well, right? That. I started a company in Israel, and then I moved in at the end of 1999 to uh, New York and uh, and fell in love. But, uh, yeah, that was an instant messaging company that I started in Israel and moved to the U.S. Um, to raise money and you know, help market the, um, the software. And it was a fun experience. I learned a lot. I was much younger. And uh, we ended up selling the company in the middle of 2002. And uh, then I stayed with the company that acquired us, Converse, for a few years and left to start boxing. So it was good to be back on the startup track. That's gotcha. it. So, like, during that time, you maintained ties to developers back in Israel then? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah, and, and much of the team that we have today is is actually people that have worked with me in Odigo. So made it easy. That's gotcha. it. 
How big is your team, your development team? 11 overall, so about 9 developers. Sure. I was just, uh, I just started following uh, Whitney Hess. She's, I think she's one of the new UX designers you just pulled onto your team. Right. She's great. She's here with me. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was doing some Web 2.0 stock and, and uh, learned that she had worked with uh, American Express on some stuff. So it sounds like she's got some firepower behind her. So good, kudos to you guys for picking up somebody hot. Yeah, she, she's great. And, you know, as we moved from alpha into beta, we wanted to bring a professional hand to help us sort through some of the uh, user experiences, challenges, and where can we make it simpler, and where, where can we make it uh, different, and what our users are saying. And she helps us to process all that feedback and uh, digest it and bring a professional eye to the, to the process, which is great. Gotcha. Yeah, there's, you know, if you want to pass this one thing over to her, since she's right there with you, yeah. the thing that drives me nuts is that the now playing button is hidden behind the left menu. <clears throat> we already discussed it in detail. I hate okay. that. I hate that one too. Because <laughs> to get uh, to get back to where you're, where you're at, you got to go back to that menu, and it kind of stinks. It's over there, hidden away. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, we need to fix it. There's a bunch of those things, small things, but you know, make a big difference in your day-to-day experience. So, you know, it's great that we have the alpha out and we can get lots of feedback from from users and then we can improve upon it by the time it gets to the main consumer. It's been battle-tested uh, significantly. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're making, you know, a bunch of changes to the home screen, to the information architecture. Um, yeah, I don't know when we're going to get the beta out, but it's... Um, yeah, it's going to be different. I think so far you guys have done a really stellar job on the interface. Though. I mean, it's really sexy. It's obviously nice to see, uh, you know, Boxy's interface in 1080p, which is you know just beautiful. So, yeah, we're you know we've we've been very design conscious from the beginning of the company actually, and um, work with uh, with designers and both in house and, and external, and. I think the best thing is that it's uh, we can see gradual improvements from version to version on the user experience, and you know, it's very important for us, especially that you know this is something that is running on your big screen, and people are spending hours with it, and with a remote control that is a challenging uh, input device. You know, there's many things that you need to solve, and the challenge is great because you have very different types of content that you can consume coming from different sources, uh, it's a big user experience challenge. So we, okay. you know, we're, we're glad with where we are today, and we are very excited about where we're going in the future. Yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, One more thing. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. I, I was going to say... I was going to say for your audience, um, one thing that they might be interested in is the fact that we just released our developer API so that uh, oh. if people have their own web apps and they want to plug into Boxy, um, we have uh, released sort of the beginnings of what we hope will help them do that. Um, and Avner, is that at developer.boxy.tv? Yep. Yep. Awesome. What makes we put that in the show notes? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically awesome. we're, we're trying to let, you know, one of the big things about Boxy is that it's social and we try and connect, you know, you with your friends, but we also want to connect you uh, with, the, with the social networks or the sites that you use on a regular basis. So your Facebooks, your MySpace, your Last.fm all that kind of stuff, and we want to be able to uh, exchange information between those services. Um, 
So we'd love to have your your users start making their own apps for Boxy. Yeah, definitely. That's actually when I was sitting there last night. I was sitting there thinking about one of our clients um, and how they can actually benefit from having an interface on Boxy to go with their website. And it's almost like you know I've got this great web service. But now I need an iPhone app to go with it to make it really successful. It's kind of one of those things. It's like I can totally see if they had a beautiful interface on Boxy uh, that if that's possible, then they can certainly drive a lot more traffic to their site and make their service a lot more popular than it is right now. Yeah, completely. Name- and actually – go ahead. I was going to say I won't name any names right now, but I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Josh knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, no. Why wouldn't you name names? <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> – I suppose. All right. Calfeed. How do you spell it? It's uh, C-A-L-F-E-E-D, calfeed.com. It's all about uh, promoting your uh, online events. So it's sort of like a dig for for online events. So so Ustream content, you know, live YouTube content, like an inaugural video, live inaugurations, that kind of stuff, live online content. Great idea. Cool. It's it's more like the you know TV guide for online video and online content that's happening right now. Very cool. Uh, well, I was going to say one of the interesting things that we had at CES was one of the guys from um, Intelligent Design Magazine stopped by and he was doing a piece on um, offices and kind of new technology available or gadgets available for for offices. And uh, him and I got to talking and thought, wouldn't it be cool if you were a uh, some sort of agency, whether it's consulting or marketing or ad. Um, and you actually use Boxy to present um, to new clients. So you would integrate music, movies, photos, um, all of that into a Boxy application that was branded for your agency and uh, and just use Boxy as the platform to navigate all that content for presentations. Yeah. yeah I, listen, guys, sorry. Um, yeah, I have to go. I have, I have another call. Um Okay, we can uh, we'll we'll finish up with Andrew. But thanks for okay. coming on, Abner. Sure, thank you. Slot. Thanks. Bye, Abner. Bye. I think he started the conference, though. Uh oh. It shouldn't matter. It should it should roll the host over. Okay. Okay, Uh, we might be giving Skype too much credit. No, I think we're good. You guys still there? All right. Excellent. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. I think he might have just muted himself because I still see him there. Yeah. Um, Josh, did you have a question on for um, for Andrew on like a PR and stuff like that? Yeah, no, I was just I was more curious. Um I don't I don't think we've ever really had anyone on that was featured in the, the New York Times. So I was curious like how do you get featured in the New York Times? Do you hire a PR firm or <laughs> Yeah, um, I have to say that I'm actually external to the company. So I work for a, for a firm called Stage 2 Consulting, and uh, we have really good ties with all the tech bloggers and the, and the press. Um, so I've been working with Brad Stone at New York Times for about the past uh, week and a half or two weeks. Um, and this is actually something that we set up before CES for him to come by the booth, get a demo, um, you know, and we, we gave him a couple story ideas and uh, made sure that he could speak to some of our users and um, a couple other people for the piece. So this has been uh, probably about three or four weeks in the making. Um, but we were really excited to see that piece. And, you know, we also made it onto the Today Show. We were on CBS Local News. Um, so Boxy is definitely starting to get, uh, get some real attention. Um, and I think because of the New York Times piece, I've been approached by 
tons of event firms and uh, and marketing firms asking for sponsorship or people who want to help us market the product. And it's apparently, if you're in the New York Times, that means you've got money to spend, I guess. <laughs> Right. They must so. all listen to the Boing Boing interview then. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think yeah. so. So, uh-huh. um, but yeah, CES was great for us and, and helped kind of catapult us into uh, into the limelight for a lot of the a lot of the bigger tech press. And um, you know, we're just we're trying to use that and, and leverage it and make sure that we grow the user base to uh to reach that million million man mark or million woman mark I should say uh, million person mark I guess would be PC for uh for 2009 and um and yeah it's been really exciting G4 actually called us one of the best of the best at the show and uh, we awesome. won CES's i stage award so it was really good it was a really good wow. uh, really good time so awesome. uh, not to like uh steal boxy's thunder here or anything but I- We've never really done a show on like hiring a PR firm or anything like that. What I mean, how does that happen? Like with with stage two, like does someone just contact you? And I mean, what does that process look like? Yeah, um, sometimes it's through uh, through you know people just find us on the internet or they hear about us. Um, a lot of times we get clients through word of mouth. Um, we have a number of VCs that we work with. Actually, the the VCs from uh, from Boxy also work with one of our other clients, Bug Labs. And, um, you know, we actually, if you go to stage2consulting.com, it's T-W-O, you can see on our blog, we've actually done an article on how to pick a PR firm. Because um, there's a lot of people out there claiming that they're social media experts or new media experts. And um, it's a lot of hype. Um, there are still some basic things that, you know, you want from a PR firm that, that uh, a lot of people aren't giving you. Um, so it's, it's, it's all about finding a good balance and finding somebody that, uh, you work, you work well with on a personal level and somebody who has the right connections and, um, you know, can, can take, take advantage of the tools that are available in a way that makes sense. So, you know, we say a lot of people, are you on MySpace? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? And, you know, for a lot of companies that doesn't make sense. Um, I think Tide had a great example. Tide, the deter- laundry detergent had a fan page on Facebook. And how does that how does that build your brand at all? It doesn't doesn't really make sense for uh, for what they're hoping to do. So yeah, um, I don't know. I could see them using like Twitter and searching for like dirty clothes or something, and and then like <laughs> talking to people like you should try Tide to get that stain out when they talk about a stain. But yeah, I definitely don't. Every see time I Twitter. Working. <laughs> Yeah, every time I Twitter doing laundry, somebody should follow up with an advertisement about uh, about how Tide could help me get those stains out. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, I mean, how do uh, do you guys just do you guys evaluate clients and decide if you should take them on from a P- PR firm side? Uh, certainly, yeah. Um, you know, from from uh, from our side. These are the the contacts that we have with press are people that we continually want to bring value to, um, because they bring value to us. So it's a it's a great give and take relationship, and um, we certainly only want to be bringing them things that we believe in. Um, and so as a firm, actually, we're really committed to having a hand in not only the PR side but marketing strategy, branding, positioning, um, and also we call 
product polished. So making sure that a product is is really ready for market and ready for the press because even if there are, you know, tiny minor flaws that maybe the engineers are okay with working around, the press will not be. Um, and so if we take them a product that's not ready, it not only looks bad for the client, but it also looks bad on us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, I read an article, and I'll have to find it for the show notes, by uh, Matt Mullenweg, where he talked about uh, how um, developers or engineers can just kind of put up with something and just kind of work around something, and they, they just ignore it. And uh, his example was actually about his smoke alarm or his, his fire alarm in his office the battery was going dead and it kept beeping so rather than like go find a battery and fix it he just went and worked in another room where he couldn't hear it (laughs) 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 and that's kind of how developers are sometimes it's like oh i know that's broken just don't even use it (laughs) yeah just Just ignore that for the time being (laughs) yeah i'm actually uh, a former asp and php programmer so i kind of i know both sides of the coin that's right uh, well, I don't know, Andrew. Would you would you know something like the super secret question, or Josh? Do you have more stuff you want to talk about? Yeah, well, I mean, he's a PR guy. So, um, what do you guys have anything super secret that you just want to announce right here on the on the web tour show? <laughs> something big. Oh, Everyone no. does it. I mean, Kevin Kevin Rose did it. Gary Vaynerchuk. It's true. You can do it too. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Um, you know, I think uh, I th- I will say, if you look at the platform, there is uh, there's something missing. There's one uh, one content provider missing that uh, we're working really hard to uh, to get integrated, and uh, hopefully that will happen soon. I can't give you any definite dates, but um, it's uh, it's something that we're really excited about. Awesome. Is that vague and specific enough? Yes, yes. It's vague and specific enough, yes. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would just say, you know, as a, as a wrap-up, you know, for anybody who's looking for a solution to, uh, to play all their digital media, we play any non-DRM format, so Matrushka, MP4, like all of the stuff that's non-DRM um, we, can, uh, we can take care of. And uh, and then bring in all the great stuff from sites like Hulu and Juiced and uh, CBS.com and WB and you know you discover you get unboxing you discover content that you totally forgot about but still love. I found Airwolf on uh, on Hulu I believe and it is awesome. Um, CBS.com has MacGyver, which is <laughs> yeah. great. So that's uh, that's one of my favorite things is is kind of discovering those those old shows and and falling in love with them all over again. I have to agree. I, I wanted to go back in time and watch the first episode of Quantum Leap because I was way young when it came out, and I don't think I've ever actually watched the first episode. So uh, it's on my list of things to do. But my, I'm going to go and watch uh, the first season of Quantum Leap. <laughs> nice for for all content, you know. <laughs> nice. Do it for Sam. Yeah, for, for sure. Sam. Yeah, yeah. sure. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks. And make sure you let Abner know we said uh, thanks as well. I will. Thank you guys very much for having us, and uh, we'll look forward to keeping you updated with all the latest. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Web 2.0 Show with Josh Owens and myself, Adam Stachowiak. Be sure and visit web2oshow.com for links in the show notes or to leave a comment on the show. Thanks for listening.